Welcome to Petsitter Confessional. We are brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. Today, we're talking with project manager turned dog walker and pet sitter, Kimberly Lehman, owner of Kimberly's Critter Care, about how she brought over her organizational skills and structure into her business, how she spent a lot of time refocusing to make the business something that she truly want, how to build trust with your clients from the very beginning, and how to be fearless when asking for a review. Let's get started. Yes, Colin. Thanks so much for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Kimberly, and I run Kimberly's Critter Care in Charleston, South Carolina. And we have been in business since um, 2016. So we're going on seven years. It'll be um, seven years in December. Um, and yeah, it's um, we do pet sitting and dog walking primarily. Um, and... I got started, uh, basically just kind of was in the corporate world. I was a project manager for the medical industry for many years and uh, just kind of wanted us to change. And so I started a little bit on the side doing some Rover, um, just doing some visits here and there just to kind of get my feet wet, see if I liked it, because obviously I love pets. Um, and I thought, well, this is a good way to make a little extra money and kind of see what happens. And I liked it so much that I was like, huh, maybe I could make a business of this. And at the time, I really didn't know that, you know, pet sitting and dog walking was a thing. Um, I mean, I knew people did it, but I didn't know you could actually make a business and, you know, make a living out of it. So it was kind of just, uh, let's just try this and see what happens. My boyfriend has his own business. So that kind of encouraged me to give it a try. So I did. And, you know, years later, here I am. So it's been a great transition. You are a project manager in the medical field. What yes. did you What did you bring over and into your business from that world? <laughs> well, um, I definitely have a lot of organizational skills. So um, I think on the the back end of the business, that definitely helped. Um, you know, I the admin part and the scheduling and the logistics and all of that. I think definitely my project management background helped with that piece. Um, didn't really help with the pet care part, but you know, that just kind of comes naturally, but yeah, definitely all the admin stuff. <laughs> Which is the one that, uh, most of us struggle with, right? And and yeah. part of part of part of project management is is yes, the organization, but it's also the the breakdown, the staying on task, the staying organized and and timely in knowing what pieces to pull in. And and all of a sudden many of us, you know, we we come into and we're running a business and there's a lot of little moving pieces that we all of a sudden are tasked with taking care of. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm very task oriented because of that. So like, you know, my SOPs are like really long and, you know, like some of my staff probably likes, oh my gosh, she has all these little check things and like my little reports and time to pet. I have a ton of little check boxes and stuff, you know, to check off to make sure we did everything. But I think that helps because some people need that. So and it makes me feel better knowing that everything's done. Yeah. Well, those checkboxes are so great because one, they're they're nice for the client to see, but but for like just selfishly, like it's great for me to remember, oh yeah, did I did I do that? And that's just these little prompts of trying to set ourselves up for success of going, okay, if I need to remember this, what do I need to do other than just really trying super hard to remember, right? Like that's that's not gonna be good. Exactly. Especially those little things like, you know, that only do once a week, like take out the trash or the recycling or something like that. It may not be something that you always think about when you're doing a visit, but having it kind of there on a checklist or on a flag in your app definitely helps to remind you of that. 
So if, if you someone's listening to this and they they're, they're, they struggle with things like task management, keeping projects on on task and, and moving forward, what is what's some advice that you would you would give to them? And and yes, I am taking notes. Um, Well, I mean, I think definitely, like I mentioned, having good standard operating procedures or SOPs in place, um, you know, especially when you have staff and have to train them, you know, when it's you, the business owner doing all the work, I think it's a little easier. But when you want to train other people to do that, I think it's important to have those SOPs in place so that they know step by step what's expected of them. And then um, I also have, like I mentioned, um, I use Time to Pet as my pet setting software. And in there, um, on your report, you can customize those. So um, you can set, you know, like, I mean, I set things like, you know, gave fresh water, um, you know, scooped litter box, gave medication, you know, just different little things like that. And even like, you know, rotated lights, uh, open, closed blinds, um, ensured all doors are locked, you know, just little things like that, that, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, when I first started, I had left someone's door unlocked before and they came home. They're like, oh my gosh, I got home and my door was unlocked. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. So that's what prompted me to start putting those little things that should be second nature, but sometimes they're not. And just having to check, physically check that box, I think helps remind people to do those little things that even though we do them at almost every single visit, it's still a nice little reminder because if you have to go in and check it, it's like, oh, okay, well, did I really lock that back door before I left? You know, so sometimes I'll go back in and check just to make sure. So I think that's key, just like I said, having the SOPs outlined and having those um, update check boxes and stuff just to make sure everybody clicks those. What what I hear when you say that, Kimberly, it's, it's getting the, all those little bits of information out of your brain, out of your own brain, right? And uh, 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 putting them somewhere else because we have a lot going on, right? There's and and sometimes we didn't get as much coffee as we needed, or maybe we got too much. Maybe the lights didn't work for that morning, or maybe that first dog was really bad. And now we are still demanding our brain keep all of those little tiny intricate details and all of those little things in place. And I would recommend even even if you are a, a solo sitter and you want to stay solo, still write out your SOPs because then you'll really start to see in right in front of you physically where holes are, what you're missing, uh, maybe where you can expand, where you can dig deeper into those, where you thought you were doing something, but now when you're laying it out there, you go, oh, that's actually not what I would like to get. And having those reminders just it 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 allows you to with more surety go. Yes, that is what I did. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, over time, I mean, I think your SOPs are like a living document. You know, you're constantly changing them. And I've learned so much over the years, um, you know, just to add things on there. So mine continues to grow and it's like, oh, yeah, I never thought about that because this one client brought it up. And so now I'm like, yes, we need to make sure we do X, Y, Z, you know, on all of our future visits. So, yeah, I think definitely, like you said, even if you're solo, it's important to have that because we all make mistakes. We're human. And, you know, like I said, I had left someone's door locked before, or, you know, forgot to turn a light on for, you know, whatever little things that, but I mean, the door locked is kind of not a little thing, but, um, but still it, it makes, you know, makes you think. And before you actually leave, and I always tell my sitters too, you know, make sure you send that report before you leave the property. You know, you can sit in your car and do it or sit in the house and do it, but always make sure you send that beforehand. So I think that too is kind of a reminder that, Hey, make sure you did all of these things. Yeah. But but not before the visit's done, because that's another thing that I know I have personally done where I've written the report. Everything's great, shiny and wonderful. And then I, 
like go to lock the door and it like shatters or like something happens and you're like, oh no, I need to send an awkward update now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely want to make sure that it's done and you're ready to go before you send that update. <laughs> When, when when you make those little mistakes or when you have staff make those little mistakes, Kimberly, how, how do you process those? Kind of what, what's your way that you work through those when they come up? Meaning like, how do I handle it with the clients or with the staff? Uh, but, but well, then I was also curious just personally too, how oh, you, how you do that? Yeah. Ugh. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, like I said, we're all human and we're going to make mistakes. So I think it's just you know, you have to forgive yourself or your staff or whatever, but, you know, also it's a good training moment too, if it's with staff um, to say, you know, Hey, it's all right. You, you messed this one up, but you know, next time let's do better. Let's use this as a, as a lesson to make sure that you do, you know, whatever it is before you leave and to make sure you don't send that report until everything is done and checked off. And then, you know, for me personally, like I said, that one time I left someone's door unlocked, you know, that was, I mean, I definitely learned more from my mistakes. So I think that, you know, having that, you know, that definitely caused me to make these reports and make sure that those little things are done because they're not little things to a client, you know, coming home to a door unlocked. That's not a little thing, even though it may seem like a little thing to us, it's, you know, somebody could break in, not break into their house, but walk into their house. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just think that, that the best way is to learn from the mistakes to train. Um, I'll even, you know, sometimes if, whether I do it or one of the staff members do it, I use that as a training opportunity for everyone, you know, and I don't call the person out and just say, you know, Hey, as a little friendly reminder, make sure you're always locking the door before you leave and double checking, you know, like pull on the door and make sure it's locked for instance. And I know that can feel weird and awkward of going, well, I don't I don't want to call people out on this or make them feel or like it's a passive aggressive thing. But but really just taking it as a teaching moment, because if one person is struggling with it, I guarantee you more people are. Or I guarantee Absolutely. you it's time for a reminder of just, hey, just as a reminder, hey, you know, make sure that this you know, we go to page 72 of the field manual, <laughs> go to where whatever it is, right? Like just pointing people back to that because we can become so distant and removed from aspects of our business and our staff can as well. Uh, just showing something to one person one time isn't enough. It's a continual process of reminding and prompting and educating. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking about um, kind of doing like a weekly, just a little training thing, whether it's either on Slack or, you know, recording a loom or something like that, or even doing like a, a weekly zoom with my staff, just kind of little training tidbits every single week. So then it's not like, you know, Hey, somebody made a mistake yesterday, so I'm going to call it out. So it's just kind of like a continuous thing every week. Yeah, that's actually what we do. We do Monday meetings and those staff who can attend can, if they can't, it's recorded and then we send those out to them. And um, pro tip, uh, if you're sending things through Loom, um, you can change, rename it to be the person's name and then you send that link to that person so that you know that they watched it. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> you, can, you can also use a a call to action button at the very end of the, which is what we used to do where they hit it and then they have to sign a form to say that they watched it. But some people don't make it all the way to the last couple seconds and whatever, but that way you can rename it. And that way I know, you know, Sarah watched the video and Dave didn't. And so we can follow up with them uh, to, to get more feedback from now. It does mean if you have like 20 staff or, you know, even, even 10, it can get a little complicated because you're making 10 copies. But <laughs> at least if you like, for really, really important ones. It helps us know for sure that we can follow up. No, that's great. Appreciate that tip. 
Um, so you uh, started in 2016, and then about five years in, about this 2020 2021 time frame, um, you started to have some some changes in how you felt about your business, right? Yes, kind of just you know got a little burnt out, and I think COVID probably played a part in that, you know, because everybody's business, I'm sure, went way down. So it was kind of like, well, I'm not working that much now, and it's just you know I was kind of floundering, kind of wondering what I was going to do, if I was going to stay with my business, if I was going to you know, get a regular job, if I was going to try something else. So it was it was a struggle for a while. So, um, you know, definitely put some thought into it and just kind of racked my brain with what I was going to do, you know, because at the time, I don't think many of us were making a lot of money. <laughs> no. What was it? Was it the aspect that you that income was down? Was it, I mean, when you think about that, of all those different, you rattled off several things there, you know, business is down, it's floundering, you weren't doing the work, right, that you were passionate about. What What do you think was really, or maybe it was all of them combined, I don't know, for you, <laughs> like, like really the driving factor of, of what you were really struggling with at that time? Honestly, I think it probably was mostly that business was down and, and the the aspect that I'm talking about is like, I was so used to being busy all the time. And then I wasn't. And I don't know how you are. But like, if I have too much free time, it's not a good thing. I mean, obviously, you need to take care of yourself and have time for yourself. But if I have too much, it's almost like I feel like I just I don't know, I struggle with what to do with my time, I guess is probably the best way to put that. And so I was kind of struggling and just didn't really know what to do with myself because I had, you know, had all these daily dog walks previously and was doing pet sitting as well. So I was busy in the mornings, afternoons and evenings. And then here all of a sudden, no one was traveling. Most all of my daily dog walks had canceled. I mean, I still had a few people because I'm in the South. So we, you know, things weren't as tightly locked down as in some parts of the country. So we did open back up fairly quickly, but people were still a little more cautious with their travel. So during that time, it just, you know, it kind of, I just didn't know what to do with my time. And that kind of caused me to lose focus of the business because I wasn't as passionate about it at that point, because I guess I just, it wasn't there. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's hard to stay on focused on something that's kind of disappeared. That's exactly. definitely I and I I um, I, I taught in in uh, in college for a little bit, and I saw this with with high school students who came out who were so married to the strict schedule of a high school program, and then they get in college, and all of a sudden it's a little like, whoa, you don't have to show up, and sometimes you got it's lots of time in between things, and and they were like, what, like they they were completely ungrounded. And then when people graduate, they're like, oh, now I'm in a business world and what do I do? And as a business owner, I'm the exact same way, Kimberly. I had I had a couple hours where I could have done just kind of anything last night. I just laid in bed and was like, what? I like and like struggled to stay on task or do one thing or switch to the other. It was really hard for me to focus. I find whenever I am more time constrained, I'm more productive. And that whenever yes. the whenever the walls get separated and moved out and my calendar is clear. I will get nothing done. I will get absolutely nothing done. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. That's exactly the way I am. And it's difficult. <laughs> I need to have those time. And I think that comes from the project management background too, is like you always have those deadlines and those things you have to get done and it's pressure. And when I'm not under pressure, I flounder. It's like 
I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it, it is because we, we, you know some some of this is um, you know external motivating. Some of it's internal motivating. Some of it is internally and externally regulating of ourselves and and kind of needing that. And and part of that's just understanding how we operate and knowing those signs of okay, I'm, you know, I'm, this is happening. What do I, now what do I do? Which I, is, I think is the biggest thing of, of like, okay, once I know I see these signs and I am feeling like I'm floundering and nothing's getting done and I'm kind of spiraling now because if you're like me, once you stop being productive, then you're like a little bit depressed at yourself that you're not productive and you feel bad that you're not doing that. So you're more likely to get stymied and stuck in this mire and even make it, makes it even worse. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so, so what did you what did you do to to get out of that? Um, well, I think I just kind of had a mind shift change. You know, just like I really need to decide if I'm going to do this business and really build it, or if I'm going to move on to something else. So at that point, I was like, okay, I really want to make a go of this. I want to make it work. You know, I'm passionate about this business, and I want to grow it. And so that's when I put an ad out and I hired a few people. I, prior to that, just to step back, I had only had one IC. So I, I started using ICs cause it was kind of industry standard back when I started. Um, and so I had one IC and then I decided when I started hiring that I wanted to switch over to employees. Cause I had heard a lot of horror stories about ICs. So, um, decided to switch to employees. So I, I moved my current IC to an employee and she was fine with that. Once I explained it all to her, okay. um, and then everybody else coming, moving, forward was hired as an employee. Um, so I, I hired my first few employees. Um, and one of them is still with me. The other three are not. <laughs> so, you know, that's always fun going through the, the open door kind of thing with the hiring. So I wanted to refocus on the business, hire the staff, get them trained, because obviously you can't really train an IC. So I wanted them trained to do things, you know, the way I thought they should be done. And that's when I started, you know, um, kind of refocusing on the business, really growing it and started taking on new, more, more new clients, started marketing efforts, um, and just really kind of reinvested myself and put forth all the effort I could into the business. And that's when we really started to grow. Um, even though it was, you know, post COVID, um, I think it was in May of 2020, I had um, probably one of my best months since I had been in business. And part of that was because I had, oh, wait, I'm sorry, not 2020, May of 2021, um, had my best uh, month. And it was because I had some more staff members so, and th through those marketing efforts had gotten a lot more clients. Some of the solo people had shut down because of COVID. So probably got some business from that. And then once things started building and taking off, then I really got excited and kind of reignited my passion for the business. Mm. So that's when I continued to hire and continued to market and discontinued to grow. And then things just kind of exploded. So. Sometimes we need those little, those little wins. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm just in general, these wins to reignite that we, we do need to start seeing things firing and working and kind and making movement. And it is this, this kind of positive feedback loop of, of the more we start getting these little successes and these little wins in the more we're invigorated by this, the more we're spurred on to continue to invest and pour ourselves back into the thing that we built. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And now I'm just like full force into it, you know, half a days where it's like, eh. but then like you said, something will reignite me. And, but overall, yeah, I'm definitely passionate about my business and growing it from here forward. <laughs> 
Have you heard of Timed Pet? Doug from Bad to the Bone Pet Care has this to say. Time to Pet has made managing my team and clients so much easier. Our clients love the easy-to-use app and scheduling features, and our sitters love being able to have all of their information organized and easily accessible. My favorite feature is the instant messaging. By keeping conversations on Time to Pet, we are able to monitor our team and ensure nothing ever falls through the cracks. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. And you said that all started because you just, you reached a point where you decided, I'm either going to do this or I'm not, right? And so kind of what was the dividing line between those for you? Yeesh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I had a specific thing. I just, you know, I think I just decided that, yeah, I need to do this because I just, like I said, I really love what I do. I love helping people care for their pets. And I just decided that, you know, that's what I want to do. And I, and honestly, I didn't really want to go back to a nine to five. Oh, <laughs> um, that. I, mean, I, I would have, if I had to, to pay the bills, you know, yeah. but I, I said, you know, here's my opportunity to see if I can really make this work and make a living off of this business. So, you know, I did it and it worked. And now I'm very happy that I decided to go that route rather than going back to the corporate world. So. Well, I, th- I think we've all had a moment or several moments like that where we're, where we're looking at how far we've come and, and, and we make it, we have to go, it, is it worth, do I want to keep moving, right? Is this something that, I, that I'm still interested in, I'm still invested in? And I think it's important to ask ourselves that question, even when we're not in a crisis, right? <laughs> right? Even when we're not struggling and, and to, if it's an annual thing or whatever, or you've got set time blocks or whatever, however you want to structure that, it's, it's okay to ask yourself, do I, is this something I still want to be doing? This is still something I'm passionate that I'm invested in because then we're staying on top of ourselves. We're staying more in tune with how we're feeling and it can help us make some of these decisions of going, okay, yeah, I'm still invested in this and I still want to meet these goals. So let's double down. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's very important, especially this day and age where so many people experience burnout from their jobs and so forth. And being a business owner is not for, you know, the faint of heart. So I think it's important to do that, like you said, at least an annual check-in with yourself and just, you know, see how things are going, do that pulse check. Yeah, we do it with our business, right? We look at our financials, we look at the, oh, annual year over year, you know, spreadsheets and all that stuff. And and if you're not doing that, like just at least look at some numbers, right? But then we should also be checking in with ourselves and going, yeah, how do I feel like? And what I, I used to do this with the kids that I taught before I gave them their test grades back, I'd always ask, how do you feel like you did on this test? Right? How do you feel like this? What, what, what did you struggle with? Okay, now let's look at your grade and let's compare and contrast a little bit why we're, we're feeling these differences here of going, okay, how do you feel like this last year went? Okay, now let's look at some numbers and let's figure it out because you may have actually had a down year, quote unquote, where you made less, but man, you felt amazing. You had more free time. You really enjoyed it. And so, okay, well, let's, let's try and get some of that back into this and just, just comparing how you're feeling versus what the business is telling you is, is another way to compare that. Definitely. Great idea. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned your team, and I did want you to, to, to tell us a little bit about them and, and kind of how you, how do you have them structured and how you actually are using your employees in your business. Okay. So, yeah. So, I currently have six employees, um, and I'm definitely on the, the hunt for new ones. Um, I like Same. kind of going with maybe eight, nine-ish 
So that's my goal. Um, but yeah, so my current employees, um, we have a pretty broad territory. We're spread out in like three different counties, but everything's connected. Um, I know it sounds like a lot, but it's, we don't do every, all the whole county of all okay. three kind of <laughs> do parts of each of those counties. So, but it's a pretty spread out territory. So like to get from one end to the other is probably about 40 minutes or so, depending on traffic and traffic can be a bear sometimes. Thanks. So, um, so I kind of have, when I do hire, I try to focus on hiring in a certain area to cover, you know, those sits in that area. Um, but I do have some, I have like two employees down in the lowest part of my territory and then one up in the top part. And then the other three are kind of centrally located. So, um, you know, so I guess just trying to organize that when I, when I do schedule, um, sits, I, I try to get obviously the person who's closest. And like I mentioned earlier, I use time to pet and each of our clients have a primary sitter assigned to them and then at least two backups and that's location based. So, um, you know, I always try to get that first primary sitter schedule because number one, they're the most familiar with them. Plus they're the closest in mileage because we do reimburse mileage for our employees. So, um, so I try to get that closest person, but then if it's not available, it'll fall to the next one or the next one. Um, now there are occasions where I may have that person at the top of the territory where you have to go to the bottom because there's just no one else available. And that yeah. happens from time to time. So that's something I kind of struggle with. I've thought about tightening up my territory from time to time, but then I'm like, I hate to lose those clients that are on the outskirts. So, and then I also think about, well, maybe I should expand and hire more people in those outer areas. So I struggle with that all the time internally, you know, like which way should I go? So we'll see what happens down the road. But, um, but yeah, as far as how we structure things, I mean, you know, right now just, we have everybody that's kind of the same. They do, you know, they do pet sits and whatnot. I do all of the admin work currently, um, I do have a VA that I recently hired about a month ago, um, who is actually located in Missouri. Um, and she does some of the scheduling for me and things like that. Um, and is helping to kind of fine tune my SOPs. But, um, otherwise I do all the other backend stuff, the admin work, um, and, but the, and then the staff, you know, basically they just do the visits or the bulk of the visits. So like, like I said, I try to keep everybody close to their home within about five to eight miles, but you know, sometimes that doesn't all play out well. So you got somebody that calls in sick or their car breaks down or they're on vacation. So, you know, then, mm. and then that's when I, it comes to me filling in sometimes as well, which is <laughs> not necessarily the goal, but you know, sure. something, someone's got to do it. So. So when you, when you get a client in, uh, you assign that primary sitter, so they would do all visits, you know, three a day or four a day or, or however many that visits that client needs for, for their duration of their trip? Sometimes. Sometimes we split it up. Um, I do have three of my sitters who have full-time jobs, so they only work primarily nights and weekends. Okay. And then the other three, their only job is with me, even though it's not full-time, but this is the only job they work. Mm -hmm. So they have more availability to do, you know, the three times. Now, the one girl doesn't work in the evenings, and then one doesn't work weekends. So it's like everybody has their own kind of schedule. So that's something that we have to play with as well, you know, when we're scheduling things. So there are times when two or three people, you know, like with the client is on vacation, two or three people will do their sits and split it up. So um, that definitely happens 
probably more often than not. I do have one girl who is more than willing to do all three and do all the visits, but um, others kind of have their times that they like to work. And I'm fine with that as long as I have coverage. (laughs) Yeah. And it really is starting to look at availabilities, putting together the puzzle. When can people work? When can people not work? How do I make this work? And do you, so, and and I'm sure part of that is just asking them and getting that in, in, in writing of like, what are you committing to when you come work for me? Yes, absolutely. And so, and sometimes, you know, when they first start on, I'll be honest, they, they say, oh yeah, I can do any of those hours. Yes, we can do it all. And then once they realize they get into it, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do the night hours or I don't want to do the early morning hours or the weekend. So we adjust it as we go. And, you know, I'm fine with that. As long as they're upfront and honest with me and tell me, then I can block their schedules. And then, you know, I tell them too, you know, like maybe in an emergency, I might call you and say, hey, can you do this one visit on the night time or the weekend? I know you don't normally do it, but would you be okay doing that to help us out? And usually they're okay with that. They just don't want to do it on a regular basis. So I just think, you know, laying that out for them and finding out what their needs are and what they're, you know, what they want to work. Cause I, I obviously want them to be happy and not leave. I would rather adjust someone's scheduling than to have them leave and go somewhere else because they're not happy. Yeah, that's really we've we've dealt with that a couple times and we're going through that right now of doing a schedule adjust of the person is still wants to work just is struggling to have this balance and needs a little bit more needs a little bit more flexibility back in their days and because they do work another job full-time job and so we're working with them to go okay i still want you here you know you're still valuable to the team really appreciate everything you contribute we'll just we'll just pull down now that means that now we either have to expand hours from other staff members or hire somebody to cover additionally but that's why we're, you know, we're, we're doing that aspect and and they're committing to what they can. Yeah. You know, a valuable employee is, you know, you want to do whatever you can to keep them. So if it means saying that they don't work anymore weekends or whatever the case may be, then you usually try to accommodate that. So that, cause it's much easier to keep a a happy employee than to go out and find a new one. So that's (laughs) definitely key. Well, I know you're in that process of, of looking for a few more staff members. What what do you look for when 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 you go? I need an employee for Kimberly Care. What 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 does that person look like to you? So for me, I don't really look for pet experience necessarily because I think you can train somebody how to walk a dog, how to scoop a litter box, you know, how to give medications and whatnot. So I look for more like the personality type traits. Um, you know, I definitely want somebody who is passionate about caring for animals, but they don't necessarily have to have cared for them before. Um, so I think that they have to be passionate about it. They have to be um, committed. They have to be, you know, I look for things like what I use Indeed for my hiring. Yeah. So on there, you can have them do like little recordings about what motivates them to work and um, ask them about conflicts they've had in the past and things like that. So I really listen to those and read what they write or or listen to what they say. And you can kind of pick up on things like how they handle certain situations and things like that. Like if they tell me they don't handle conflict well, then I'm probably not going to hire them. I mean, I still may talk to them if they are good on paper otherwise, but I think you really have to just listen for those little things because, you know, there can be conflict at this job, just like any job. So if they don't handle that well, then they may not be a good fit. So I kind of just 
go with my gut a lot. I know that's probably not a great answer for everyone, but, um, but it's really what I do. I mean, when I, the way my hiring process is I do the initial, um, indeed ad, like I said, they can do those recordings to, to answer those few questions. I review their resume. If I'm interested at that point, I schedule just a quick phone call with them. Not really an interview, just more like a chat to get to know them a little better. Um, usually lasts about 10 minutes. And then there I kind of take a lot of notes on how they respond to things and questions they may or may not ask. Um, and at that point I decide if I want to move on to a face-to-face interview and there, I think it's really important to read their body language. And, you know, I have a series of questions I ask them. Not a lot of them are pet related. Um, it's more like, you know, just how they handle certain things and what they've done in their previous jobs in certain situations. So it's, like I said, it's not really certain qualities necessarily that I'm looking for. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of a whole package. Yeah, well, you you said a phrase there of you you did that quick chat, and I think we need to really pay attention. You said I you did not say I write down their answers. You wrote you wrote how they responded. So you're writing things down about like tone. Did they pause? How you know what was the what was the the expressions that they were giving you throughout this process? What was the the, the emotions that they were bringing to this? How did they and the follow up questions? It's these these reading. It's reading the person right because that's the other aspect and that that's the mistake that we made when we first started hire. We didn't do that. We didn't. We were like, okay, we have the right answer in our brain, and they're going to tell us or they're not, and then I'm going to hire them or not. Like, that's what we did. <laughs> Just a right answer to how you walk a dog, and you're going to tell it to me, and that's going to dictate. And. <clears throat> And we got some great people, but like we also got some people who were just terrible fits because we weren't paying attention to how they answered the, you know, tell us about a stressful situation in your life and how you handled it. Like, did that person come up, come up with a, were they, were they um, thoughtful about that? Were they flippant whenever they responded to that? Were they disrespectful to other people when they described the other party in the situation? All of that is critical because now we're bringing people into a people environment. Environment. Yeah, we don't see everybody any right, you know, all the time, but we're constantly interacting and we know maybe, you know, and you said I might not hire somebody depending on how they have a conflict. And someone may think, well, I'm not going to have conflict with this person. What, what, do, what do you mean? What do you It's like, well, you're going to have conflict at some point. <laughs> Inevitable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So, yeah, I think it is just more like, a, like I said, it's kind of a gut feeling and just a read on people. I think you have to get really good at reading people, even over the phone, but it's it's easier in person, obviously, because you can see their expressions and whatnot. But I just think that that's the key in hiring. Like, I know a lot of people say they want people that are experienced with pet sitting or dog walking. But honestly, to me, I almost would rather have people that don't have that experience because then they don't have any preconceived notions as to how to do things. And sometimes they think they know how to do it better than the way we do it. So I personally prefer people that don't have a lot of experience. And then if you do have that person who has all of this experience, and we we, we, we encountered this, this uh, not too long ago, this person came in, super qualified like all of these certificates and training and all this stuff was was one of but then we were like okay what are we going to be listening for to from this person we 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 wanted to to ask and questions that were more is this person teachable is this person going to accept guidance correction from us and we very quickly learned no no this (laughs) (laughs) and they knew better right they knew better and and it wasn't that what they did was 
was wrong. They weren't doing in, in opposition to the things of how we operated. But we knew we would be unable to t- to take a concern to this individual and go, you didn't do this or, well, you know, this you that would have been disaster. And so that was something that we couldn't move forward with. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They need to be able to handle the constructive criticism and take, you know, guidance and training from you. So that's important. And to get at that, I, you know, sometimes you can ask those questions kind of just on the, just on the head, like a put, you know, nail in the head and going, yeah. When was the last time you got feedback or criticism and how did you handle that? You can ask that question, right? Or you can ask more roundabout ways of getting to that. And that's just kind of where the the art form of doing an interview comes in, of kind of knowing how to get at various aspects. And it's a lot of trial and error, unfortunately. Definitely. Yeah. I kind of started out like you. I had my list of standard interview questions and I didn't necessarily have a right or wrong answer, but I just didn't really delve into like the, the psych psychological part or the, you know, those kind of social situations and stuff. So over time, I've developed a lot more questions that I like to use in an interview as opposed to the the standard pet sitting questions, if you will. <laughs> now, that's a little bit about your 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 staff. Obviously, you're, you're hiring staff so that you can service your clients well. And one of your core tenets of, of your company is to to have the clients trust you and to build that trust. How do you go about doing that? Because I know that that's a, that's like one of the biggest factors of the businesses that we run is that trust. Absolutely. Yeah, we're in people's houses and taking care of their family members. So yeah, definitely a key is trust. But um, I think trust starts with the initial interaction, whether that be a phone call or you know filling out a form on your website and and how you respond to that. I think that's how you start to build that trust. Um, also on your website in general, you know, showing um, client um, reviews, you know, and and pictures of you and your staff with pets, things like that help to build trust as well. But um, definitely, like I said, with that initial, okay, just a step back, sorry. Um, I do have a form on my website. It's the Get Started form. They, It's kind of like the intake. They give me the information. Where do you live? What kind of pets do you have? You know, what kind of care do you need? Blah, blah, blah. So usually what happens when they fill out that form, either one of two things, either we have a responder thing that goes through our website that sends them back, you know, thank you for filling out the form. We'll get back to you shortly um, with any questions. So I always try to call them back because I think it's important to have that initial conversation with them rather than just going back and forth in email or text or what have you, um, because that can just be very impersonal. So I like that personal touch and I do all the calls right now for the company. So I try to call them just to have a little bit of a conversation, set that tone initially. Um, and I, I not tooting my own horn, but I feel like I have like the ability to put people at ease you know, just conversationally. So I think that they always feel a little better after talking with me, even if they've already seen our website and all that. And then of course, um, the next step, once you find out that they're a good candidate and they still, you know, like you and want to hire you, then you go to that, we call it a new client consultation. Some people call it a meet and greet, what have you. Um, I typically do about 95% of those because I think as the face of the company, you know, it's important for them to meet me and trust me, Um, And at that meeting, I explain the team concept and all that good stuff. Um, I do usually try to have the primary sitter go with me so that they can meet them if they're available. If they're not, then I will do it myself, which is fine. 
Um, and I think that that's where you really build that trust. That's the the key to, to solidifying that trust, I guess, is meeting them in person. I've had so many clients tell me after meeting with me in person, like, like, I feel so much better now leaving my pets in your care, you know, and even if they never met the sitter that's going to do it, they just feel, I think, better once I kind of set their mind at ease and go through. And I have a checklist that we go through again, you know, for our um, initial consults and, you know, we review everything, you know, like, show me where this is, show me where that is. Um, if their pets are on medication, I usually have them show me how they do it things like that. So there's just so many little things that we cover. So I think that makes them feel more at ease. And then of course we're bonded and insured and all that. And we talk about that during the meeting. So I think that makes them feel more at ease as well. Our friends at Pet Perennials make it easy to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-consumer gift model that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reach our client or employee on our behalf. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across both the U.S. and Canada. They also offer an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get-well wishes, and welcome new and rescued pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate a pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business gift perks account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. Since the service is used on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchases. Learn more at PetPerennials.com, check out their business programs, or register for that free Gift Perks account using the link in the show notes. I know you use Time to Pet. At what point are they going in and filling out their profile, or are you doing that for them? Um, I do. I have them do it. I don't do that because I need them to be comfortable with the system. So Mm. like I said, we we start with that intake form, that get started form on the website. And then um, after that initial chat on the phone, then I set up an account for them in Time to Pet, send them the link and tell them that they need to complete everything prior to that consultation in person. So they do all of that. Okay. Yeah. And and I I like that a little bit of this psychology too, of, of going, no, they, they need to be, they're going to be the one booking the services. If that's our end point, if we don't want to be taking phone calls or emails or text messages, we want them to be using the software. They are going to have to use it at some point and going here, what tell me. And one of the easiest ways is to go, tell me about your pets, right? Now they're, they're, they're engaged, right? They like answering this stuff. So they're more apt to use the software than whenever it's the drudgery of scheduling or whatever the boring stuff. Now, at least they're, they're in there. (laughs) And I explained to them on that initial phone call with them, the importance of filling everything out. I said, it's going to take you a while because I ask a lot of questions, but we need this to properly care for your pets. So then they're like, okay, no problem. And most of them fill it all out. Um, I've had one or two that just struggle with it. And, you know, maybe forget to hit save and then they have to do it all again and they get frustrated. So for those people, I'll usually make an exception. And when I go to do the um, new client consultation, I'll, you know, either take my iPad or do it with them on their computer and help them go through it. But I still want them to do it. I don't do it for them. Mm. But at least you're there to have that oversight, right? And I, I think what's key there is going, what do I want the exception to the rule be, right? Is it, it, it the exception is, I'm going to be a bit more hands-on here through this. The The rule is 
clients are more autonomous. They're putting this information in. Plus, the aspect that they can go in and update that at any time is crucial because now they're more comfortable with that. That's what you want. You want to you want to encourage this good behavior. It's all this training. Onboarding is not just. I've learned this more and more. Onboarding is not just a process of getting us to walk their dog. It's also about training the client to, to your company expectations. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. So, yeah, I think it's definitely key. And, you know, like I'll have a client still occasionally text me and say, do you have availability for this? And I'm like, well, you need to put the request in because, you know, nine times out of 10, we're going to have availability with staff. Um, there's very few times we don't maybe on a holiday, but for the most part, you know, we have availability. So put your request in. And if for some reason we can't do it, we'll let you know. Because I always try to train people, do all communications through the software. Don't text me because if I'm not around, then that message is going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> or you, if you're like me, you look at the text and you go, wow, that's really important anyway. And then like two <laughs> days later, you're scrolling through and you go, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm really bad about that. Sounds like we have similar ways that we do things. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it's why it's so important to just not, I, we have enough to worry about as business owners. We've got a lot on our minds. Worrying about missing a visit or missing a scheduling for a visit. Let's back way up. Let's not even say a visit at this point. We're talking about a, re, a schedule request. That's not something that I am willing to worry about. So it just needs to sit in an email or on a dashboard or somewhere that's going to alert me whenever it's up there. And I know I'm always going to see that. Like that's trying to certain, trying to know about yourself. What information do you need surfaced in your life so that you don't have to be juggling it behind the scenes is an aspect of, of, hey, project management, right? Right back to that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's difficult because like I think in our businesses, there's so many points of contact, you know, I mean, there's our phone, there's our text, there's email, there's our website contact forms, um, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, you know, there's so many ways that people can reach out to us. So I think having it all, you know, initially, I try to check all that stuff. But then once you get that client on board, and I'm like, we only communicate through the app, because there's just so many ways it can get missed. Like just the other day, I had a client who notoriously books dog walks late, which is fine. We can usually accommodate her. But um, she used to always text me and say, hey, do you guys have time to walk my dog? And I would get back to her. And then I finally, like one day I missed the text or I probably did what you said. You know, I was doing stuff and I glanced at it and said, I'll get back to that later. And totally slipped my mind until like three o'clock. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, this happened. I said, I tell you what, let's always ask this through the um, through the chat in our software. That way, even if I miss it, one of my staff will see it and they can say, they'll let me know, oh, hey, I can do that walk. Mm. And so I'm like, and that's happened on like three different occasions since I told her to start using the software. So it's been so nice because sometimes I don't see it if I'm busy doing something. Um, so, you know, like it just it happened yesterday, actually, one of my sitters messaged me on Slack and said, Hey, I saw that, you know, Gabby needs a walk. I can do that after so-and-so. And I'm like, Oh, great. Thanks. And I hadn't even seen the message come over yet. So mm -hmm. it's really nice to have that. So I think it's important to, like you said, train your clients, how you want them to communicate. So that's key. Yeah. Cause it does make sure things don't slip through the cracks, right? Cause that's a big aspect of, of one of the piece of things about the peace of mind that we believe that we bring to the table is 
never missing anything or having all of the details. And if that's all reliant on me and my poor sleep addled brain, like, who? good luck, right, everybody. Like, this is not what we want. That's not how we want to represent our company to our clients. And that then when we're able to present, I think part of this of, you know, building trust with clients, yes, it's, it's showing a good face. It's being professional in front of them. It's being able to communicate well and being able to put them at ease. Part of that comes in talking about your systems that you have in place, talking up everything that you have, all the lattice and support structures that you have in your business. You don't have to walk through every, you know, agrees it's detail or you know you know <laughs> that you have in place but some clients need that to know the kind of company that they're working with yes absolutely yeah i think it's really important to set those boundaries up front so or those yeah. expectations <laughs> well boundaries <laughs> boundaries That's boundaries too do, do you have <laughs> office hours and times of communication uh that you know when staff when clients can or can't or or, or shouldn't be <laughs> Well, loosely, yes. I do say that my hours of for the office are nine to five, Monday through Friday, and like nine to one on Saturday. Okay. But, you know, honestly, if I'm sitting around and, you know, watching TV or cleaning up the kitchen or something, if somebody calls nine times out of 10, I'm going to answer it unless it's like nine, 10 o'clock at night. Sure. But um, I do answer the phone after five, but I, I still advertise that those are my office hours. And I, I try not to go in and like approve visits and everything until the following morning. So that is sort of a little bit of a boundary, I guess, unless it's like a last minute thing. So I do have office hours set, but I don't always follow them myself. Same. Yeah. It's, I Same. I, and everybody has that little bit of a wiggle room in what they do and they, they, we are looking and seeing and trying, but I think it's really important to, to ask, you know, you, you mentioned it there going, is this a last minute? Is this an emergency request? That should always be that first screen when it's outside of office hours and then going, if it is, okay, I do need to take a few minutes to sit down and, and address this. If it's not, this is going to wait till tomorrow. I mean, right. and that's, but that's hard because what, what, what is that? We're talking about training clients. If you say my office hours are nine to five and then they're submitting requests and getting confirmations or whatever back to them, or you're responding back to them after that, well, they're just going to continue to send those things after five, right? And and then if you don't one day, they're going to be asking, did this happen? Did this go through? What's going on? I didn't, I usually get requests, I usually re get respond. And you're going to be like, oh, that's not actually what I what I want. So keeping in mind how you, just how you want to live your life and then going, what do I structure around that? Uh, you know, is, is, is one way to kind of move forward through that. Yeah, I definitely try to like certain responses and things that you can set up. I, I schedule them to go out the next morning. I still may do them that night, uh, but I schedule them to not go out until like eight or nine in the morning when technically office hours start, you know, so that yeah. helps some. But yeah, sometimes I forget to do that schedule thing. So they do slip through sometimes. <laughs> now, I know you you also have quite a lot of reviews um, across different different platforms there. Are you are you purposely asking for those um, or kind or Kind of how are you going about that process? Yes, we absolutely ask for them. Uh -huh. um, I over the years I've kind of developed a process. So and, and this is part of my SOPs because eventually I want to hire an office admin person. So I'm working on that. But basically our process is um we like if if it's a new client or even an existing client that's never left us a review, um, when they for our vacation clients, when they go on vacation, 
We always have them check in with us when they return to make sure their pets are, you know, back in their care and we don't need to do another visit. And then about three to five days after they return, I schedule a message to go out in time to pet asking them for a review. Um, It's just a saved reply within time to pet that you can just set up and send. So that goes out, like I said, three to five days after their return. I always try to do it like on a weekend because I know, you know, people that come back from vacation, sometimes it takes them a couple days to get back into their groove and then they have to go to work. So I try to schedule it like for a Saturday or Sunday, because then they have maybe a little more time to sit down and write the review. And I always leave them links to our different platforms, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, I'm not sorry, Instagram, Facebook, Google, and Nextdoor is usually where I ask for the reviews. So I leave them a link so they can go directly to the review thing. They don't have to scroll around looking for it. Um, And um, then for my daily dog walking clients, usually um, once they've used us, you know, started with us and after they've, we've walked their dogs for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, then I'll send them a request review or request for review. So um, I usually get a decent response. I mean, obviously there's some people who just never leave reviews and that's totally fine. Um, and then I never want to like do a an email blast to everyone asking for a review because you don't want to get like, you know, 10, 20 reviews at once because then people assume that they're fake. Uh-huh. So um, I like to set them up when they come back, when everything's fresh in their mind. Plus, then you're making sure they're happy because you're doing that follow-up to make sure they got home. And then if if there's anything that, that they want to maybe have a grievance about at that point, they would let you know. So if they do, then you're probably not going to request that review. But <laughs> as long as they don't, then you send that request for review. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, um, I haven't implemented this yet, but I want to start doing a follow-up phone call with each client when they come back from vacation, you know, maybe not that first day, but maybe a day or two later, just doing a quick phone call to say, and you know, this is Kimberly, just wanted to make sure that your services went well, that you're happy, if there's anything we can do to improve, because I think that personal touch really helps to kind of seal the deal with them as far as even if maybe they're not happy, then maybe they at least appreciate you following up and listening to them. So that's something that I'm going to start implementing really soon, but I haven't yet. And so hopefully that'll help to get more reviews as well, because at that point, you know, if they say, yes, we were very happy, you know, with so-and-so sitter or this or that, then you can say, well, Hey, you know, would you mind leaving a review for them? And then maybe follow up with that text, sending them that link. So that's hopefully something I'll start soon. Well, and will you do that within that three to five day time period as well? Yeah. Maybe even a little sooner, maybe a day or two later, you know, because if, if they do have any issues with the services that gives them the opportunity to tell me and then for me to try to make it right with them so that even if they do leave a review, it's not going to be a bad one because everybody likes to leave those bad reviews. You know, they're quick to do that, but not everybody, but a lot of people, but then when you ask for a positive, it's sometimes harder to get that. So, but I think that'll go a long way with trying to encourage them to leave that positive review. Well, and the other aspect, too, that I know people who struggle with allowing people into their home is, am I like, am I ever going to see this person again? Like, is this a fly by night kind of company? Like, are they just going to disappear and ghost me on these things? And then us, you know, you showing back up with a phone call and saying, hi, I want to talk about your recent experience with us and just see how everything went. If there's anything any feedback you have for us or anything we can do better next time that that really takes like, Oh, this person isn't going anywhere. Right? Like this person, this person is invested because we all talk about, Oh, we want to build a relationship and we want these things. 
But if we don't have touch points with our clients, there will be no relationship built, which means that we shouldn't be surprised when they don't respect our boundaries and when they don't follow our procedures and whenever they're not really the best client. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think that the more personal touch you can give them, the better. I mean, I know personally for me, if I were to use a service and they were to follow up with me via phone a couple of days later, that would really make me feel special and important, you know, and make me feel like they care about me and what, um, you know, what my experience is. So that's why I want to start implementing that really soon. Yeah. Well, that's super exciting. I'm very interested to see how that goes. Uh, and I know yeah. a lot of people are scared of phone calls or that's not their biggest forte. So that may be a struggle for for other people, for, for us. But I, I think just going, I have a purpose. Maybe I've got a little bit of a script and I'm just, I'm not going to be the one doing a lot of talking. I'm just going to be asking some prompting questions and then, you know, jumping off the phone call or, you know, or saying, okay, thank you for your time kind of thing. And realizing I'm, 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 I I do need this, that this feedback is valuable to me. And and hopefully that's enough to prompt a, uh, an an action on this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to actually implementing that. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Kimberly, do, do you, are you, are you running the business you thought you'd be running back in 2016? No, no. Okay. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> okay. No, I'll be honest. In 2016, I, like I said, when I quit my corporate job and started the company, I thought I would remain solo. And I was like, you know, I'll be happy if I make like 12,000 a year or so, you know, and just be, be happy. And then, like I said, it just, I never thought that I would actually have a business with employees and, you know, all that stuff. So definitely totally different than what I expected when I got started. Oh. Yeah, making that jump and and just seeing how 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 big it goes, right? As you go along of going, man, and did you ever ask yourself like is this what I like is this what I want? Is is this the company? Like do you ever struggle with with, you know, kind of all of the operating and things and and you know, <laughs> moving pieces that you have on? Do you look and go, yeah, this is still what I'm passionate about? Yeah. I mean, I do, like I said, there's days when you struggle, I think, but overall, yes, I'm very passionate about it. I love the business. I love what it's grown to. I love working with the clients, with the staff. Um, I love doing all the organizational things, doing the SOPs. I love, I love structure. So I love putting all that together. And kind of like you said, the puzzle pieces together. I actually enjoy doing scheduling which most people are probably like, what? <laughs> a, a rare person indeed, Kimberly. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's like you said, it's like a puzzle. It's like, you know, you, I look at the schedule and like, we have our regulars, you know, that are always on the schedule. And then somebody pops in and says, okay, I need a visit. So you have to look at where this best fits in, you know, who you have available, where their location is and who's familiar with them and all that. So to me, that's kind of like, interesting and fun trying to fit that all together. Sometimes it gets frustrating, I will admit, but overall I enjoy doing stuff like that. So, so yeah, I mean, I really love what I do. And even though I struggle at times, I think it's, the business is definitely moving in the right direction and I'm very hopeful that it will continue to grow. And I embrace that. And I love that. That's super cool, Kimberly. I'm 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 so so glad we got to talk today and uh, you know, encouraging us to, to look for those, deeper skills of those of those staff members and to work really hard about with building that trust with the clients at every single step along the way um but i know you know i it's, I, I really love this conversation i've got a lot of notes here for me to me to try so thanks for my homework um but no i i it means a lot for you to take the time out of your day i know there's a lot here um and so if people are interested in 
organization stuff, staying on task, uh, you know, some more of your, your processes, or they just want to follow along with all the cool stuff that you're doing, uh, how best can people do that? Yeah, sure. So um, our website is Kimberly'sCritterCare.com, and that's Critter with a K. Um, <laughs> and it's a little odd. Um, so th- that's our website. And then my email is Kimberly'sCritterCare at gmail.com. So definitely could reach out that way. Um, you can also feel free to call me if you like. Um, I don't know if I should give my number on here or they can look it up on the website, but I'm happy to take phone calls or text or DMs, you know, whatever, anybody that I'm happy to help people out. I love, we have a local network here in Charleston and we all help each other out, you know, with questions and stuff. So I'm definitely happy to help anybody who has questions on that stuff. So Awesome. Well, I'll have links to those in the show notes and on the website for people to get connected. Uh, and yeah, and give you a call if they need to pick your brain more. But Kimberly, I've I've really appreciated and really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking your time today. Absolutely. I enjoyed it too, Colin. Thank you. Are you running the business that you thought you'd be running when you started? Really take a moment to consider that in all the facets. And I think importantly, one major part of that is Are you doing the things that you thought you'd be doing? Do you enjoy them? Or do you need to make some changes? This could either mean that you need to hire or change your services or change your business operations and organizational structures. We're not talking about whether you feel like you're successful or your business is successful. It's are you doing the thing you wanted to do in the beginning? Plain and simple. And if it's not, what steps can we take to get there? And if it is, or maybe you fall in love with new portions of it, how do you make sure that you have more of that in your life? We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials for making the show possible. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back again soon.